Women Inseparable, where women connect through the Word of God, with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Call to Fast, Episode 20 of the Prayer and Fasting Series. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Esther 4.14 Here's Jacqueline. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for history. We thank you so much for the statement that history repeats itself. And as a child of the King, we thank you so much that history repeats itself. Because that just means that the God that was will be the God that is. And that you'll be the God that will always be. Thank you so much for your creation. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for giving this opportunity to live and for giving us a purpose to live. Lord, you've given us Jesus Christ. Through his death, through his resurrection, we have a purpose. Every single day of our life, we have a purpose. Through all of our emotions, through all of our moments, through all of the people that we are in contact with on a daily basis, we have a purpose. And it seems so mundane, and it seems so trite, and it seems so endless. But yet it's in that simple, it's in that little, it's in that moment of history that you are doing something big. God, I pray that you help us to pray, help us to fast, and I pray that you help us to prepare. Help us to prepare as we fast in faith and in trust that you, our God, have a plan. And I pray that you help us to trust that plan. I lay Esther before you, and I sit at your feet, and I beg you for your words this morning. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Mordecai, if we go to Esther 10, and if we go to verse 3, it's the final verse of this book. Who was written by, we don't know. There's speculations of who wrote it. There's three names that circle out and about, but we, we don't know who wrote the book of Esther. Fascinating. But if we read the ending, the closing of the author, of the book of Esther, he goes to chapter 10, verse 3, and he says these words, For Mordecai, who is known as the Jew, was second in rank to the king, who has two different names, pending your version. And he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers, for he sought the welfare of his people, and he spoke peace to all his people. This is Mordecai. This was the ending statement of Mordecai. And we often wonder, like, what are those last words going to be said of me? You ever think about that? What is going to be said at my funeral? What's going to be written on my stone? My son and I were studying Enoch the other day. And the verse that references Enoch says that Enoch walked with God and he was not. It was one of my favorite verses as a little, little girl. And I told my son, I'm like, one day, that's always been my dream. Jacqueline walked with God and she was not because God took her. Wouldn't that be such like the coolest end to your story? So I told my son very morbidly, my, he's 14, <laughs> sit on my tombstone. <laughs> I pray I earn the words that Jacqueline walked with God and she was not. This is what was said of Mordecai. 
He was focused on his people and he was focused on the peace of his people, God's peace. Remember that peace we talked about last week? Not the peace offered by the government or the peace offered by society, but the peace planned and prepared and written by the blood of Jesus Christ, that peace. That was his purpose. And we see that from the very beginning of the book of Esther. It wasn't that he became that. Mordecai was that. As a man who lost his brother, or lost his family members, I'm sorry, Mordecai lost his family and took in a little girl. He cared for the welfare of his people. And at that time, his people had died. And there was one little person left. She was little. And he took her in and claimed her as his own. That's like a testimony of somebody right there. That could be the end of his story. He took care of one little girl. As a little girl who wouldn't have argued having somebody to take care of her, that's a cool sentence. Already Mordecai is on top of the charts. Glory to be for, Mal for Mordecai's. So that's Mordecai. Mordecai took in this little girl, raised her as a Jew, and he was very frequented at the king's gate. We see that anytime Esther references Mordecai, Mordecai is more than not seen at the king's palace, in the king's gate, as a Jew, in a city that wasn't Jewish. And everybody knew that that was Mordecai the Jew. He didn't care. As if that would be us going out in public and saying, I'm Jacqueline, the child of God, and I don't care if you don't agree with Jesus being resurrected from the dead, because Jesus, and you always and always and always stand on the name of Jesus, no matter where you go, no matter whom you're talking to, this is Mordecai, God. It was all about Yahweh, it was Mordecai. And he poured his love for God out on those around him, dumping it primarily to Esther, and raised Esther as a Jew in love of God, who respected her authority even though she lost her parents. She, trans she, she was great. And we've all studied, I'm sure, for a minute, Esther. And we can praise her character, and we can follow after her footsteps and her character. Mordecai was an amazing, amazing man. We see him in chapter 2. And I'm going to read a couple uh, different verses as we go through a few chapters, and we're going to focus on 4 and 5. And maybe more. <laughs> <laughs> Esther 2.5 says, Now there was a Jew in Susa whose name was Mordecai. He was a Benjamite. He had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. So that's such a blatant statement, just a basic sentence, but put yourself your name in that sentence and face the emotions that he faced, the past that he had. When Mordecai goes to a small group and they say, oh, where are you from? Oh, let me tell you my story. It would take a little bit longer than one sentence. And perhaps there might be a tear, might be a praise, might be a, oh, that was, that was a hard day. And by day, he means decades. He has a story to tell. I told a little piece of my story yesterday, or last week. It's not easy telling a piece of your story. This is a piece of Mordecai's story. It goes on and explains how he adopted Esther and took her in. Verse 10 says, Esther had not made known her people or kindred once she made it to the king's palace for this reason. She did not proclaim that she was a Jew because Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. 
So Mordecai, who's a Jew, and everybody knew Mordecai as the Jew, raised his daughter as a Jew, and when his daughter was taken to live in the king's palace because of that story, and if you don't know that story, read Esther 1 and 2, and it'll explain that whole piece. But she was taken to go live in the king's palace, and he says to her, do not say the words, I am a Jew. And all the beautiful virgins that lived all in Susa were all taken. I have a feeling that she was not the only girl that could be identified as a Jew. She wasn't the only one. There's no way she was the only one. The whole city was filled with Jews. And they're beautiful. Virgin girls taken in. Pretty sure she wasn't the only Jew. Which is kind of sweet for her, thinking like as a girlfriend, she wasn't alone. She had her people with her. That's sweet. That's just like a side note that we as girlfriends cling to. We always have somebody with us. And if you're like, I don't have that person, be that person and put yourself out there and meet girlfriends. Girlfriend plug. This all happened. Um, Esther became queen in the seventh year of the king's reign. Okay, so keep this in mind. It's the seventh year of the king's reign. We read the book of Esther and we're like, oh, that happened in a day. Right? It reads like such a quick story, like this happened in one day. Wow, man, what an awful day to live. Yeah, this was the seventh year of reign. We're going to jump very quickly into his twelfth year, five years. She becomes queen in the seventh, and things start happening on the twelfth. So for five years, she lived as queen without saying a word that she was a Jew. Ever had to keep a secret? Mm -hmm. Verse 19. It says, Now when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Again, this is where he was always found. Esther had not made known her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her. So she's queen of the city and obeying her dad. That's the type of person she was. That's amazing to me. She honored and respected always her authority. She had a respect to her authority at all times. She kept her Jewish nation, her Jewish people, her Jewish blood under wraps. In those days, verse 21 says, as Mordecai was once again sitting at the king's gate, there were two people that worked for the king that were mad at the king and whispering to one another, let's kill the king. Because that makes sense. When you don't like somebody, your next step is let's murder them. <laughs> so that's what's happening these two. Mordecai, being where Mordecai was, overheard it. And he tells Esther what was said. Verse 22, And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to the queen, Esther. And Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. See how that train went? Mm -hmm. When the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows, and it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. Mordecai saved the king's life. And it was written in the book, and that was the end of that story. Little side um, morbid fact. A lot of our Bibles talk about gallows, and we as today's society picture, you know, gallows. Historically speaking, and in this nation, a gallow was more like a um, big stick with a pointed end way up in the sky, yeah. and the body would lay yes. on the stick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to women's 
scripture study. <laughs> yeah. So let's wash that image from our head and go back to the sweetness of a beautiful queen. Isn't that how we like to do it, right? <laughs> Let's not face all the truth, just the pretty truth. <laughs> In chapter 3. After these things, and there doesn't say a timeline, but after this, when Mordecai saved the king's life, a man named Haman was brought up to become second in command. Haman hated the Jews. Particularly, he hated one Jew. And because of his hatred of one Jew, he wanted to murder all the Jews. So he took these two men who hated the king and wanted the king to kill the king to a whole new spectrum where I hate one Jew, therefore I want to annihilate all of them. And I'm second in command of the greatest city in the world, therefore I have the power to destroy this nation. So he comes up with a plan in verse 4 to do just that. I'm going too fast. Yes. That goes down below. Thank you. Verse 4. Let's read verse 4. And when they spoke to him day after day that he would not listen to them, they told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down to him, Haman was filled with fury. But he disdained, which means he felt in his heart that he wanted to murder Mordecai. So as they had made to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai throughout the whole kingdom of the king. So his plan, he became second in the command, and part of his ruling as second in the command was, when I walk out in public, you are to bow to me. For five years, this was happening. When I go out in public, bow to me, because that's fun. Sometimes people in authority come up with rules and laws and demand that we obey them. And Mordecai the Jew stuck with God, and he did not bow. He didn't. And every day, it says day after day, for years he was asked, why aren't you? He said, I'm a Jew. Oh, okay. So Haman was getting to the point that he was so angry about this fact, and he asked his people, what's wrong with this man? They're like, oh, he's a Jew. So then that triggered Haman, let's murder them all. So he comes up with this plan in the 12th year of the king, goes to the king and says, this is what I want. And he never says the word Jew. He just says, there's a people that defy you. They don't like you. They're not obeying you. I'll put in a ton of money. Can I get rid of them all on one day, please? Can you imagine asking that request? And the king says, yeah, here's my ring. Write it, sign it, pass it out. This is what's happening. Verses 7 through 11 is a one-year time span. Haman wrote up his, his bill, stamped it with the king's ring, and it went out in every language to every city in 127 different provinces. And this happened for a year. So for one year, picture, if you can, picture one year that's really bad. Can you do that? <laughs> do you like my joke? And every month, this bill, this badness, this awful thing that you can't even wrap your head around is going from city to city to city. Cry of the Jews growing and growing and growing. And every time it goes to another city, they say words like, can it get any worse? Hmm. And 127 provinces are crying the fact that they are all going to be annihilated on one day, wiped out. Wrap your head around that. 
that's what's happening. Because one man hated another man. Kind of see why Jesus says don't hate. Verses 12 down to the end of chapter 3 is another year. It's one year, so two years have passed. Can you imagine two bad years? Back to back? It's kind as if we know how they're feeling a little bit. Chapter 3 ends with these words. The king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was thrown into confusion. This was their reality. The people that lived in the palace, they were fine. They were carrying on, living day by day, doing whatever they wanted to do, enjoying life day by day. And the people out and about, well, the Bible says in verse 3 of chapter 4, they were fasting, and they were weeping, and they were lamenting. In the palace, the people that were doing this decree of, I'm going to murder you all, I've got the power, I have you in my hand, that's how big and powerful I am. Let us have a drink, let us be merry. The people that were facing the truth of that were fasting for a year in different cities, in different homes. Isn't that fascinating? We think of Esther and our first thought is Esther declared a three-day fast, but that three-day fast happened after city after city, home after home, person after person heard, me and my people, my family, my children, my brothers, my sisters, my nation are going to be destroyed. What am I going to do? I'm going to fast. Natural reaction. Isn't that beautiful? Their natural reaction was to fast. There was fasting going on. Don't you think God heard a little bit of that? Don't you think God was going ahead just a little bit in that? As they were facing January and February and March and April and May, and the weight got heavier and heavier as the months went on, but the fasting and the weeping and the facing reality went month after month after month. That's wise. There is wisdom in this fear. Do you like that statement? <laughs> There's wisdom in fear. Don't react in fear. Verse 7 of chapter 4. He says, And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him, and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave this individual a copy of that written decree that issued for all the destructions of all the Jews, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, and that she would be commanded by Mordecai through this man that she should go to the king to beg his favor and to plead with him on behalf of her people. There's a conversation going back and forth between Esther and Mordecai, and there's a gentleman going back and forth. Mordecai is out front, sackcloth and ashes, weeping at the king's gate. And it worried Esther, and Esther said he needs clothes, it's against the law to be in sackcloth and ashes at the king's palace. Take him clothes, wash him up, clean him up. So she sends the clothes and the provisions for her dad, and he says, no, you have to tell Esther. Almost as if Esther didn't know yet. Almost as if she lived in the palace. Not her fault, but she was unaware. 
of what was going on. She was taking care of her daily duties. Living in the palace, she didn't know what was going on. She found out through Mordecai's behavior. So she says, get dressed, clean up, you can't do this. And he says, no, you don't understand. This is happening. So then conversation goes back and forth. She gets the decree and she reads it and she finds out. And her natural reaction after talking to Mordecai was what? Let's fast. Let's fast for three days. I will do it. My women will do it. Makes me curious, their relationship as a Jew. And Mordecai, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go tell everyone to do it. There wasn't social media. They didn't have internet. But Mordecai was known throughout this city as Mordecai the Jew who remained at the king's palace. This man was a man of, he was known. So he had the ability to do what Esther the queen couldn't do. Esther the queen wanted to fast for three days and she needed all the people to fast for three days. And she told her, dad, I know you can do this. I need you to tell the whole everybody to fast with me. Starting today, you have like right now, tell everybody right now to fast with me. And this is what fascinates me is verse 17, Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. There was a respect that went both ways with Esther and Mordecai. But Mordecai was able to do what Esther asked him to do. And Mordecai was asked to tell all the Jews right now we're going to fast. How did he do that? I don't know, but it's fascinating to me. Word spread real quick because I have a feeling that when Mordecai said something, people followed. He was that person. And Mordecai knew things because he stayed where knowledge sat. He knew things. Verse 14 of chapter 4. These words we frequently know. It says, For if you keep silent at this time, says Mordecai to Esther, relief and deliverance, it will rise. It will rise for the Jews from another place. Do you see Mordecai's trust in God? He had a lot of trust in God. There was going to be destruction to the whole Jewish nation on one day at the end of this year. And he says, Esther, understand this. God's here. God's presence. There will be a way of escape as 1 Corinthians 10, 13 promises us. There will be deliverance. It will come. I fully believe in the plan of God. Fully believe it. And then he says the words that we we cling to. He says, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He says, you have, you have the position and you have the choice. Deliverance is going to come to my people. I know it. I know it because I trust the plan of God. I know it because I know the scripture. I know it because I know the future. I know it because I know God. God promises life to his people. I believe that. I trust that. And Esther, you have a choice. You can stand in the position in which you are granted, or you can say nothing. You have that choice. And if you say nothing, according to Mordecai in this scripture and in his trust in God, if you say nothing, God's got a way. God will do it. That's cool. It's never about us. But God will give us an opportunity. God will give us a platform. God will give us an ability, a talent, a gift to rise up and say, here, God. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to stand where you've asked me to stand. I'm going to proclaim what you've asked me to proclaim. I'm going to perform what you want me to perform. I'm going to do 
for your plan and for your future. And you know in your head, if I don't, then that's my loss. God will call somebody else. And that somebody else, they'll do it. They'll say it. They'll be it. They'll shine it. They'll proclaim it. So what's your choice? It's a good question, isn't it? We're given platforms, we're given abilities, not because God wants you to shine you and show you, but so that you can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through your words, through your actions, through your feet, through your hands, through your smile. Smile and wave. It's always, always about proclaiming the gospel. Always about giving life to God's people because that's God's plan for God's people, life. Verse 17 says, Mordecai went away. He did everything that Esther ordered him to do. And on verse 1 of chapter 5, it says, On the third day, Esther did what we know Esther did. But there's no talk of those three days. None. None. You ever notice that? It says, here we're going to fast. We're going to proclaim this huge deal. Our book of Esther is going to be known always about the three-day fast, but there's nothing that's going to be said of what happened on those three days. There's a big blank in between 4.17 and 5.1. They came with the plan. Three days later, things happened. Feasts happened. Hangings happened. Victories happened. God made himself present. So what happened during those three days? We can tell what happened through those three days when we read chapter five. It's interesting. So many times we think of prayer and we think of ourselves on our knees in our closet and get on your knees and get in your closet. And we think of fasting as sitting and fasting. And we think, you know, what do I do? What do I do when I'm fasting? In chapter five, we see Esther prepared a meal and offered it a feast. And she did this again the next day. You know what she did during her three days of fasting? She prepared in faith and trust to God's plan. She didn't sit and worry. She didn't worry, sit and fret. She didn't sit and weep. She didn't sit and do nothing. She prepared. She prepared in her fasting. God gave her a plan. Her plan was spilled out all in chapter five. That plan needed action. If you're going to prepare a meal, Lord, have mercy. That's not quick. I've learned that. I know how to do things real fast, the American way. Esther had to prepare a meal with her people for the king who was known for his feasts and for Haman who was known for his feasting and drinking for two days. Do you think there was a little bit of preparation that needed to be made? Mm. The king loved extravagant things. He loved displayed things. You see that in chapter one. He would host a party for months. And he wanted the people that came to his party to see the glories that were in his palace. So do you think if he were going to go to a feast that were put on for him in his own house, he would expect a little bit of class, a little bit of not a Dixie cup, yeah, there was a little bit of preparation going on. Esther was working hard. She was making her plans. She was making her list. She was doing the work. She was moving. All the while, she was fasting. She was fasting in movement. She was fasting in faith. She was fasting in trust. She knew there is a plan. I don't know what the plan is, but this is the plan for me to do while I trust God's holy plan, and this is what I'm going to do. And there might be a chance that I die. 
that there might be a chance that my people live. So I'm going to cook a meal and I'm going to put on my royal clothes and I'm going to stand tall and I'm going to stand where I'm not supposed to be and I'm going to smile. That's what she did. Those three days that are missing in this blank of Esther's fasting life was nothing but hard work and trust and faith in her God. What does your fasting life look like? As an American, as a Christian woman in 2021, when all this news is coming at us at all times, and this heartache is coming at us at all times, and loss is sitting before us, and marriage is sitting before us, and health is sitting before us, and life is sitting before us as it has sat before us for all of mankind, what are you doing? How are you reacting? Are you reacting in wisdom as a child of God and saying, I'm in, let's fast. Let's fast to find out what my plan is so your plan can be seen. And let me stand in confidence of my plan so I can stand in confidence of who my God is. Let us not be fasters that hide. Can I proclaim that request? Fast and pray and get before your God but move in prayer and move in fasting so you can stand and say, oh yeah, this is what I did because I trusted in God. I think of 1 Kings 8, I think of King Solomon. And I'm gonna end with this little thought. King Solomon built the, the temple, right? Mm -hmm. David, his dad wanted to build the temple. With his whole heart, he wanted to build the temple. A friend of God, and God said, David, you can't. You have blood on your hands. You're a man of war. I didn't create you to build the temple. I created you to, to fight. But your son Solomon, he's created to build my temple. And I'm going to give him what he needs to do what I want him to do. My plan for him, for my plan to be seen. So we read in 1 Kings 8, at the end of that story, what the king built. And it's beautiful. And Solomon says in 1 Kings 8, he says, I did that. Do you see that? I did that. And do you see why I did that? My God asked me to. And he wasn't cocky about what he did. He was cocky about what God did through him. And he didn't hide, oh, well, praise God, the temple just showed up. He says, I did that. I got this, and I got this, and I got this, and this person did this, and this, and this, and we put this together, and then I did this, and then I planned this, and, and God was the end of his story. I did all that I did because God. Mordecai went away, did everything that Esther asked him to do. And Mordecai was asked, will you please bring the people together to fast? While Esther did what she said she would do. I'm going to fast. And in that fasting, God's plan took place through one little person's plan here and one little person's plan there and one little person's plan here. God has a plan for you today. What's your plan? What is it? Do it. Heavenly Father, Lord, so often we come to you and ask you what you want us to do. May we ask you that again today. Lord, we trust in your plan. We've read the end. We know the end. We know, Lord God, that you are king of kings. We know that there's a home waiting for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, as a child of yours, I know that that home is mine. 
And I claim that for all of my girlfriends that are listening to this who have received Jesus Christ as their Savior. But Lord, we're also alive today. Today, Lord, you have a plan for us. I pray right now, I pray through the name of Jesus Christ right now that you will lay your plan on each of our hearts right now. Whether it be big, so big that we feel like Esther, that if I do this, I'm going to lose my very life. But if I do this, the kingdom will move forward even more. Lord God, your plan on our life today may seem so small, as if you had Mordecai just tell a couple people, will you fast? But look at the power that came through such a small plan for his life. Oh Lord, that we'll be obedient, that we'll be obedient to the small so that we can be obedient to the big. Thank you so much for giving us a plan. Thank you so much for giving us a purpose. And thank you, Lord God, for prayer, for fasting. Thank you for this study. Lord, thank you so much for knitting our hearts together, for knitting our prayers together. Thank you for growing us in you through your holy scriptures as women inseparable. Lord, I lay the gift of women inseparable before you just in praise for what you've done since the first beginnings of quarantine. Here we sit a year and a half later, and we thank you. We thank you that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray all these things, and we thank you for all these things. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online. 